In his talk, Selling Happiness, Ron Joe notes, happiness is a popular pursuit. Authors, movie producers, songwriters, and universities have all figured out how to market happiness. For example, in 2006, The Pursuit of Happiness, starring Will Smith, was a Hollywood blockbuster film based on the life of Chris Gardner, who achieved happiness as a successful Wall Street stockbroker after being homeless. Sheryl Crow wrote a popular song titled, If It Makes You Happy. In 1988, Don't Worry, Be Happy became the first a cappella song to reach number one on the Billboard Top 100 chart and held that position for two weeks. 4,000 books were published in 2008 on happiness compared to 50 books on the topic in 2000. The most popular class at Harvard University is on positive psychology. At least 100 other universities offer similar courses. America's founding fathers acknowledged the pursuit of happiness in the Declaration of Independence as one of three unalienable rights endowed by our Creator. Even Coca-Cola is selling happiness. The soft drink giant previously launched an advertising campaign to worldwide audience called Open Happiness. But is it really possible to find happiness in a bottle full of brown, sugary water? It's easy to sell happiness because most everybody is searching for it. But few of us ever really find true happiness. Have you ever wondered why happiness is so elusive? Pop music icon Madonna was asked, Are you a happy person? She replied, I'm a tormented person. I have a lot of demons I'm wrestling with, but I want to be happy. I have moments of happiness. I'm working towards knowing myself, and I'm assuming that will bring me happiness. Chris Everett was a commanding figure in women's tennis in 1986. By age 31, she was internationally famous, earned $3 million a year, a lot of money for an athlete at that time, and had homes in England, California, and Florida. During an interview with a writer from Life magazine, she admitted, I've had enormous success, but you have to find your own happiness and peace. You can't find it in other things and people. I'm still searching. I'm still searching, she says. These are haunting words for someone who's reached the pinnacle of success in her career. What about you? Are you still searching for happiness? The U.S. Declaration of Independence guarantees a right to pursue happiness, but it says nothing about actually obtaining happiness, and there's good reason for that. When Thomas Jefferson wrote that life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness were three unalienable rights endowed by our Creator, he believed we could pursue happiness but not obtain it. He got that idea from the English philosopher John Locke, who believed happiness, though elusive, was the foundation of liberty. According to Locke, and thus Jefferson, there were so many contingencies involved with obtaining happiness that no person could realistically claim a right to obtain it. He could only claim a right to pursue it. So sadly, today, happiness has been reduced to instant gratification through happy meals, happy hours, and happy pills. However, God has something else in mind. During the holiday season, people want to be happy and wheel themselves into thinking they're happy. The music, the lights, the sounds, the smells all help to bring temporary joy and happiness, a distraction from the realities of their depressed life. But after the holidays are over, 
and the excitement has waned. There's a letdown, which comes with it a period of depression and sadness. Our shallow happiness is therefore seasonal and not permanent. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 13 notes this reality. Proverbs 14, 13. Even in laughter, the heart may sorrow, and the end of mirth may be grief. Here the Bible tells us a person may be laughing outwardly, but inside he is hurting. He may be having a fun time doing something, but at the end, grief and sadness awaits. So my friends, where does true happiness and lasting joy come from? That's what we want to take a look at as we continue our sermon series, Foolproof, A Guide to Wise Living, studying the book of Proverbs. Someone once said, there are three enemies that oppose happiness, worry, boredom, and self-centeredness. And it's interesting that in the book of Proverbs, we learn three biblical principles that directly counteract these three enemies of happiness. Now turn to me in your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 15, verse 15, as we take a look at the first principle to finding true happiness and lasting joy. Proverbs chapter 15, verse 15. All the days of the afflicted are evil, but he who is of a merry heart has a continual feast. Here the Bible tells us that people can enjoy life despite their difficult or challenging circumstances, when they have the right outlook in life and embrace the truths of the Scriptures. With the correct perspective, our hearts can be joyful and happy and press on in life even in difficult times. This truth is important to understand because the sinful world in which we live will never present a problem-free life. The times in which we live are evil because of sin that permeates every part of this fallen world. Therefore, those who believe that happiness and joy only come when all of their problems are solved and they have no worries will never be happy on this side of heaven. So how do we find joy and happiness amidst life's many problems? It begins first and foremost with having our eternal destination securely set. If we know for certain that we will go to heaven if we were to die any time, then it's not only comforting, but it also gives us the courage and joy to face whatever the sinful world throws at us, since our salvation is secured and assured. And since the only way to go to heaven is through the free gift of salvation Jesus Christ alone provides when we place our trust in Him, then a deep, intimate relationship with Jesus will bring us that joyful heart. The picture in verse 15 is of one enjoying a great meal amidst the challenges of life, not a worry in the world. It is an apt picture because I know of people who are so worried about life's many problems that they don't have the appetite or desire to even eat. My friends, you and I can fully enjoy and savor all of our daily meals and blessings knowing what Jesus Christ did on the cross, securing for us our salvation and eternal life when we place our trust in Him. We too should have no worries in this world. Proverbs 17.22 continues this thought. Proverbs 17.22, A merry heart does good, like medicine, but a broken spirit dries the bones. Here in this verse, the Bible tells us, that a joyful, happy heart cures many things just like medicine, while a spirit that is without joy, unhappy, broken, depressed, will have a negative effect on a person, including physical health. The mental health 
disposition and outlook of someone really does have a huge impact on how one lives their life. For one can have joy and happiness in the midst of difficult and challenging times. Remember what was the demeanor of Paul and Silas when they were jailed in Philippi? Acts chapter 16 tells us they were singing, praising God and praying. They were ministering to the other prisoners during their time of unjust incarceration. And they were able to do so because they were filled with joy and gladness amidst a challenging time. You see, my friends, the difference in how someone approaches the same challenging situation is not dependent on the circumstance itself, but on a person's spiritual perspective and spiritual maturity. Simply put, how we react to difficulties in our lives is dependent upon one's God-focused outlook on life and walk with the Lord. In Psalm 116, the psalmist who is at death's doorstep is depressed. He cries out that the pains of death surrounded me and I found trouble and sorrow. However, when he turned his mindset heavenward and called upon the Lord, remembering spiritual truths, his entire attitude changed. He's able to declare in verse 15 of Psalm 116, precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints, knowing that even if he doesn't pull through and dies, God still loves him very much and has prepared something wonderful for him in the life after. He ends his psalm with an emphatic, praise the Lord. Now to go from trouble and sorrow to praising the Lord when the circumstances have not changed means the attitude change was driven by a change in perspectives and outlook. I'm reminded of a story of an angel who appeared to an unhappy poet. The angel asked him, you aren't happy. How can I help you? The poet replied, I have everything, but I lack only one thing. Can you give it to me? To which the angel happily said, sure, I can give you anything you desire. The poet stared right into the angel's eyes. I want happiness. All right, the angel nodded, and the angel proceeded to take away everything the poet possessed. The angel took away the poet's talent, destroyed his looks, robbed his riches, and killed his wife. The angel then left for heaven. A month later, the angel appeared in front of the poet. The poet was lying on the ground, half dead, hungry, and struggling for survival. The angel then returned him everything he once possessed and left for heaven again. Two weeks later, the angel paid a visit to the poet. This time, the poet, together with his wife, thanked the angel profusely. He finally found happiness. What's the moral of the story? The moral is this. Most of us already have what we need to be happy. If we have it taken away from us, then suddenly we would realize this. My friends, what many of us don't realize is that we already have what we need to be happy. It's all in our outlook on life based on the realities of biblical truths about God and how He operates. Don't fall into the contentment myth thinking that somehow if you have this or that or have more, then you will be happy or happier. The preacher Charles Spurgeon once observed, You say, if I had a little more, I should be very satisfied. You make a mistake. If you are not content with what you have, you would not be satisfied if it were doubled. Again, this true life situation suggests that our happiness is not dependent on our circumstances, but on our recognition and acceptance of biblical truths which affect our outlook in life. 
Let us why and how we can have a merry and happy heart despite the challenges we go through. Notice that I avoided the words positive thinking. You see, there's a worldview today that says positive thinking will change our circumstances or that positive thinking is all we need to be happy. However, this is actually dangerous thinking. Now, don't get me wrong. It is important to be positive and hopeful in our outlook on life, especially during challenging times. But there must be a basis and truth for that positive thinking. For example, if you've lost a loved one, simply thinking positive thoughts will not help you overcome the deep grief. It will not change the fact that your loved one is gone. However, if you remember the biblical truth that for those who have placed their trust in Christ, there will be an assured reunion with Jesus and our loved ones, then we can find true comfort in our deep sorrows. That's why the Apostle Paul reminded the Thessalonian Christians in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 not to grieve as those who have no hope for the loss of a loved one because of the certainty of eternal life through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul didn't simply tell them to think positively for positivity's sake. He tells them to be encouraged because of the biblical truths. I'm reminded of the very popular and catchy song by Pharrell Williams titled Happy and the often repeated lines. Clap along if you feel like a room without a roof because I'm happy. Clap along if you feel like happiness is the truth because I'm happy. Clap along if you know what happiness is to you because I'm happy. Clap along if you feel like that's what you want to do because I'm happy. Notice that it's about feeling happy without any basis for why one should feel happy. Ryan Hosselton in his assessment of this song on happiness notes, the truth is that viewing happiness as all about having high levels and unceasing positivity will lead to misery. Hard things in life will inevitably bring you down, and you'll need more than carefree feelings and happy dance moves to carry you through those times. Our happiness is as stable as the finite and fickle things that we devote our love and desires to. Feelings of happiness can be fleeting, but if we anchor our joy in Christ's finished work for us, we will never run out. Now look with me at Proverbs chapter 10, verse 28. Proverbs 10, 28. The hope of the righteous will be gladness, but the expectation of the wicked will perish. When we accept the truths of the Scriptures, the hope that naturally comes from the great and assuring truths of God will bring forth happiness, this verse tells us. Truths such as vindication and justice at the end. Gracious rewards for faithfulness and perseverance. No more pain, suffering, and death. No more effects of a fallen and sinful world. God's continual presence in our lives. His love, protection, mercy, comfort, grace, and peace, and so on, poured out in our lives. All of these truths serve to bring joy and gladness to our hearts. But the wicked who don't believe in God and in the truth of His Word will find out that the basis of what they hoped for and expected will not come to pass, and he or she will be sorely disappointed. My friends, our happiness should not be based on things we have no control over, but instead our happiness should be based on that which our sovereign God has full and total control over. So it must be based on His Word. Now, putting it all together, we have our first principle for how to find true happiness and lasting joy. Biblical principle number one, our happiness is not dependent on present circumstances, 
but on our acceptance of biblical truths. Our happiness is not dependent on present circumstances, but on our acceptance of biblical truths. The key here is on the acceptance part. It is easy to know scriptural truths, but it is hard to accept and live it out, especially if the present situation is challenging. The Apostle Paul recognized this truth and writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 17 and 18, that his present troubles and hardships are light and momentary. His present sufferings are nothing compared to the truths he knew which gave him joy in life. He writes, For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. The Apostle Paul was always looking to the spiritual truths that allows us to see beyond our present hardships and suffering to find joy and happiness based on the realities of God's truths. My friends, happiness is an attitude, not a condition. It is wrong to think that there is something we are supposed to do to be happy to have this amount of money, to have this house, this car, this job, those friends, to go on the right vacations and have this many likes or followers on social media to be happy. Happiness is not thinking that it is a permanent condition where if you're not joyful all the time, then the conclusion is there is a problem. Happiness is a conditioned attitude that as long as God is with me, watching over me, and giving me His best, as I live in obedience to Him, then all is well. Now let's look at our second principle for how to find true happiness and lasting joy. Turn with me to Proverbs chapter 3, verse 13. Proverbs 3, 13. Happy is the man who finds wisdom and the man who gains understanding. This proverb tells us that wise living through the understanding of God's Word will lead to happiness. And we find in the subsequent verses, in verses 14 and 15, that it speaks of the fact that wisdom and wise living is worth much more than any treasures or wealth. And this fits into the overall theme of chapter 3, which is about trusting the Lord with all of our hearts and not in material things. Indeed, happiness cannot be bought. It is worth more than any monetary value and amount. You know, the BBC did a study several years back and published some interesting conclusions. According to the October 2, 2003 article, the happiest localities in the world are, in order, Nigeria, Mexico, Venezuela, El Salvador, and Puerto Rico. What might surprise us is that none of these people are noted for being wealthy. People do not typically go hungry in these nations, but these people live in poverty, most of them deep poverty. The United States was rated as the 16th happiest nation even though they are the wealthiest nation in the world. Wealth does affect one's sense of happiness, but other factors are more influential. The BBC study found that the following 10 factors determined one's level of personal happiness. Genetic traits, marriage, making friends and valuing them, desiring less, doing someone a good turn, faith, refusal to compare one's look with others, earning more money, growing old gracefully, and not stressing oneself about one's personal intelligence. So if it doesn't come from wealth, where does happiness come from? 
Again, Proverbs 3.13 reminds us, it is from wisdom or living wisely. This has been one of the overall themes in our study of Proverbs, that when we live out the truths of the Scripture with wisdom and understanding, we find happiness and true joy because wise living helps us avoid problems and pitfalls, minimizing troubled times. For example, a person who has committed a crime has to worry every day that he will one day be caught and have to suffer the consequences of his actions. But a person who has done nothing wrong and has lived wisely can sleep well at night, not having to constantly watch his back or to cover his tracks. There have been cases where criminals have voluntarily turned themselves in to the police because they couldn't handle the sleepless nights of worrying about being caught. Turn with me to Proverbs chapter 21, verse 15. Proverbs 21, verse 15. It is a joy for the just to do justice, but destruction will come to the workers of iniquity. This proverb tells us that the wicked will suffer the punishment they rightfully deserve, while those who do the right thing have nothing to worry about and can happily enjoy life with the peace of mind knowing they've lived righteously. My friends, if you know there is coming a day when you and I will stand before Jesus Christ, who will judge how we have lived our lives, do we look forward to that day with fear and trembling, or do we look forward to that day with anticipation and joy? As Christians, we are told in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10, that we will all stand before the judgment seat of Christ to be judged for how we have lived our lives for our rewards. Are you looking forward to it with dread or joy? My friends, remember, we are aiming for lasting joy, not temporary joy. Temporary joy is easy to come by. By virtue of it being temporary, that means guilt, regret, and remorse are just waiting around the corner for us, and that temporary feeling of happiness will quickly dissipate. However, lasting joy is head when you and I don't have to worry about consequences and ramifications because we have lived rightly and wisely. Living wisely means that life will only get better as you look ahead for rewards not judgments. In the late 80s, when my brother Samuel and I were much younger, and I collected G.I. Joe and Transformer toys, before I left on the school bus to go to school, I would tell my brother, who was still under five, that he was not allowed to play with my toys. But of course, he invariably would. When the school bus arrived at my house and I would come home, my brother would be nowhere to be found. He was hiding. I would see that my toys were played with, and I knew who the culprit was, and he would get my punishment. Knowing this, my brother would go into hiding. Years later, my mother told me it was interesting because at around 3 p.m. every afternoon, my brother Samuel would go into hiding because he knew that at 3 p.m. the school bus arrived and I, the punisher, would be coming home. Yes, my brother got his temporary joy playing with his brother's big boy toys during the day, but now he would suffer the consequences. I smile today thinking about this incident. Imagine living life like this, knowing that punishment would come at 3 p.m. every day and yet still wanting that hit of temporary pleasure. If he only got my permission to play with my toys, then he wouldn't have to go into hiding at 3 p.m. every day. But you know, as adults, we're no different. We do not live wisely and with wisdom knowing that temporary joy from foolish living will result in consequences, we still live foolishly. 
no wonder we can't find lasting joy. My friends, do you want to live a life knowing that punishment is what awaits you? Or do you want to live a life with a peace of mind knowing that rewards await you? That is a key question to find lasting joy. Proverbs 3, verses 17 to 18 further elaborates on this principle. Proverbs 3, verses 17 and 18. Her ways are ways of pleasantness, and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who take hold of her, and happy are all who retain her. Here in these verses, wisdom is personified as a woman. And notice that all of wisdom's paths give peace to one's soul. One can find joy and happiness when there is peace. But it's hard to laugh and have a good time when there's something troubling or hanging over you. Verse 18 pictures wisdom as a tree of life, emphasizing that the ways of wisdom are life-giving, meaning when one walks in wisdom, he or she receives the best from the Lord. And of course, when one receives the best, they will be happy. Therefore, happiness comes when one experiences the best of life that God has in store for those who are living wisely. We've already talked at length in this series that living wisely as God so intended us to live does bring God's best to our lives. So what is there to complain about when we know that we are receiving God's best? The great preacher John Wesley was about 21 years of age when he went to Oxford University. He came from a Christian home and he was gifted with a keen mind and good looks. Yet in those days, he was a bit snobbish and sarcastic. One night, however, something happened that set in motion a change in Wesley's heart. While speaking with a porter, he discovered that the poor fellow had only one coat and lived in such impoverished conditions that he didn't even have a bed. Yet he was an unusually happy person filled with gratitude to God. Wesley, being immature, thoughtlessly joked about the man's misfortunes. And what else do you thank God for, he said with a touch of sarcasm. The porter smiled and in the spirit of meekness replied with joy, I thank him that he's given me a life and being, a heart to love him, and above all, a constant desire to serve him. Deeply moved by that man's answer, Wesley recognized that this man knew the meaning of true thankfulness and happiness. You see, my friends, success is not the key to happiness. Happiness is the key to success. If you love what you're doing, you will be successful. Happiness comes from godly, wise living. It is not found in status or possessions. Now, putting it all together, we have our second principle for how to find true happiness and lasting joy. Biblical principle number two. Our happiness comes from living out godly wisdom that brings peace of mind and the best in life. Our happiness comes from living out godly wisdom that brings peace of mind and the best in life. My friends, the Bible is very clear. There are only benefits and joy to living out life in the way that God wants us to live. While on the other hand, only disappointments and sadness await those who live a foolish life. Proverbs 16.20 makes this point clear. Proverbs 16.20 he who heeds the word wisely will find good, and whoever trusts in the Lord, happy is he. This proverb simply states that obedience to God's word provides guidance for how we live a happy life, because following his guidance in wise living yields blessings. And naturally, 
the more blessings in our lives, the more happy and joyful we are. Now let's look at our third principle for how to find true happiness and lasting joy. Turn with me to Proverbs 14.21. Proverbs 14.21. He who despises his neighbor sins, but he who has mercy on the poor, happy is he. Here this proverb warns against looking down or disregarding neighbors who are poor and in need. But instead, when one is kind to those in need and shows care, they will be happy. It should be no surprise that when we help others, especially those who are in need, it makes us happier because we are fulfilling our God-intended roles to serve one another. Giving, helping, and serving others bring forth true joy and happiness. A fascinating study on the principle of the golden rule was conducted by Bernard Rimland. Rimland found that the happiest people are those who help others. Each person involved in the study was asked to list 10 people he knew best and to label them as happy or not happy. Then they were to go through the list again and label each one as selfish or unselfish, using the following definition of selfishness. A stable tendency to devote one's time and resources to one's own interest and welfare, an unwillingness to inconvenience oneself for others. In categorizing the results, Rimland found that all the people labeled happy were also labeled unselfish. He wrote that those whose activities are devoted to bringing themselves happiness are far less likely to be happy than those whose efforts are devoted to making others happy. Rimland concluded, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. My friends, the Bible encourages us to help others because God knows we will be blessed in return. Of course, the focus of our help should be for the benefit of others, but we also receive benefits from it. And in a generation, young and old, that is more self-centered, entitled, me-focused, and sadder and more depressed, this is a great reminder. We should not forget that happiness and joy come when we help others in need. And this is our third biblical principle to help us acquire true happiness and lasting joy. Biblical principle number three, our happiness comes when we joyfully and willingly help and bless others. Our happiness comes when we joyfully and willingly help and bless others. Remember, it must come from a willing heart. There will be no joy if we are forced to help someone else. There is no joy if we begrudgingly give to others. There is no joy if we find that there is regret when we give or serve, when we are compelled to do something. When you cheerfully give and willingly give and help others, we do so because we want to reflect the love of Jesus Christ to others. But we do not linger when we give or help. We move on, trusting that God will take your time and resources and bless others with it. My friends, when you help others, is there joy in your spirit? Sylvia Adayova shares her story. When I was a university student, I signed up to volunteer at a senior center. Other young people spent their Friday nights working on the next day's hangover. I rolled senior citizens in squeaky wheelchairs into the center's lounge. I then spent the next two hours playing an assortment of music for them on the piano. It's certainly not the first thing you think of when you hear of a young person's Friday night. I'd be lying if I said there weren't moments when I'd second-guess my decision. But when I saw the seniors swaying away, 
clapping, grinning, and even complimenting me. That made everything worth it. The point was to liven up their evening, but I almost feel as if I got the better end of the bargain. My friends, try to live out this biblical principle, and for sure, you will find joy and happiness. In fact, look what Proverbs chapter 15, verse 30 says about how your joyful countenance blesses others. Proverbs 15, 30. The light of the eyes rejoices the heart, and a good report makes the bones healthy. Here in this verse, happy people described as those with bright eyes or the light of the eyes, and the joyful demeanor and news they carry will bless others and uplift their hearts. Here, healthy bones speak of health and prosperity in the cultural context. So the emphasis is on how one's joy and good news can bless others. My friends, we all carry the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ to share with the world. And when we do the gospel work through our words and actions for those who are lost and in need, it brings joy and happiness to them and to us. There's a Chinese saying that goes, if you want happiness for an hour, take a nap. If you want happiness for a day, go fishing. If you want happiness for a year, inherit a fortune. If you want happiness for a lifetime, help somebody. Even the secular world has figured out that happiness is found in helping others. My friends, look at your life. With all the blessings that God has given you, when was the last time you helped someone in need? When was the last time you blessed someone in words or action? Is your life marked by your own self-centeredness or is it marked by your generosity? Do you want to be happy? Then help and bless others. That is how God has made and wired each of us. The great songwriter and pastor Ira Stamphill left his church office in Fort Worth, Texas one afternoon in 1974. The car radio was on, and as he rode along, he listened to some commercial programs. Some were sponsored by establishments that advertised their happy hour and their alcoholic beverages. He also heard cigarettes being advertised in terms of how they bring happiness. The word happiness was used several times in the ads. Iowa realized that happiness does not come with those things, but with knowing Christ. As Iowa recounts to a friend, as this thought really took hold over my mind, I began to sing. I sang a new song, composing words and melody as I drove along. I sang it almost as it is published today and sung today. And my friends, you know the words to the song as we still sing it in our church. Happiness is to know the Savior, living a life within His favor, having a change in my behavior. Happiness is the Lord. Happiness is a new creation, Jesus and me in close relation, having a part in His salvation. Happiness is the Lord. Real joy is mine, no matter if the teardrops start. I found a secret. It's Jesus in my heart. Happiness is to be forgiven, living a life that's worth the living, taking a trip that leads to heaven. Happiness is the Lord. Someone once said, there are three enemies that oppose happiness, worry, boredom, and self-centeredness. Well, God tells us that, number one, our happiness is not dependent on present circumstances but on our acceptance of biblical truths that deals with the worry part. Second, our happiness comes from living out godly wisdom that brings peace of mind and the best in life, and that deals with the boredom part. Third, 
our happiness comes when we joyfully and willingly help and bless others. That deals with the self-centeredness part. My friends, go out and be happy because Jesus lives in our hearts. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that it is not the world that defines our happiness because the world's happiness is temporary, but you provide a lasting joy and a genuine happiness that satisfies our soul. Father, I pray that we would live out these biblical principles to walk wisely, to accept the biblical truths you have given for us in how to live a happy life and not to be self-centered, but to allow our lives to be a blessing to others as we share the gospel through words and actions. Father, may the joy of the Lord be what motivates us to live for you. May happiness spring out of our lives because happiness is in the Lord. May you allow these people who are listening to be joyful and find true happiness. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you.